fans and welcome back to a special edition of the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy and the trade and draft period is done and dusted and in a moment my co-host Grape Viney and I will be joined by the Melbourne Football Club's National Recruiting Manager Jason Taylor to discuss the now completed draft and other areas that fall under his purview. Later in the program we will be joined by longtime Demonland contributor and writer George to discuss our thoughts on the new rookies as well as Harley Bunnell and Mitch Brown. We'll also cast our eyes over our 2020 draw, give our thoughts on the possible 2020 captaincy and leadership group and the all-important new jumper number allocations. We'll also take your calls too, but first, Jason Taylor. Our guest tonight is Melbourne Football Club's National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor, who has just completed his seventh draft for the Demons. Uh, Jason, thanks for giving up your time uh, to join us on the Demonland podcast. A pleasure, Andrew. Uh, Jason, Luke Jackson at pick three was, at least in the eyes of some pundits, an unorthodox uh, decision. It's unusual for Ruckman to go so high. Can you tell us a little bit more about him and why he was such a compelling choice for the club? Oh, yeah, actually, Luke was, I was thinking about it the other day, he's the first player we interviewed this year back in February at home. Um, so obviously, you know, we we had some, you know, interest for a long period of time um, and we're tracking his development over a three-year period, albeit he hadn't played a lot of football. Um, and the way he was able to improve over, say, a 25-game period, at his elite peer level, really, um, playing for Waffle Colts and then his state and, and an Australian game um, was quite significant. Um, I've been on record, um, you know, in the past previous conversations around the draft that well, we don't see any barriers on Luke's game. So his primary role as a junior has been a ruckman. Um, that's where he's played his best footy. He's been a high-possession ruckman. But I was able to sit on him a fair bit in the latter part of the year and was fortunate enough to see him play some, you know, longer periods as a key forward. Um, and his forward craft for someone who hadn't done a lot of it was quite natural, whether it be on the lead, contested mark, and his follow-up at ground level to get involved. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a guess. It's, it's uh, certainly got some projection with it, but he, um, he definitely showed that he can... Um, perform in that area of the ground as well. And then also he has played a couple of trial uh, quarters for Western Australia in trial games where he's been as a genuine mid for an entire quarter and was able to get his hands on the ball. Um, He's improving over the the latter part of the year, post-Nationals, where he finished second in the Lark medal. It's quite extraordinary, really, in all facets of the game. So... um, We don't see it as a a reach at all, and we see that he's got a lot of areas of his game that let's just see how it evolves. 
Um, I'm wrapped that we did get him. I'm just I wonder whether uh, if if Gold Coast didn't get their priority pick, would we have gone for Anderson? Yeah, I'm not really um, wanting to you know discuss how actual orders, but it's fair to say that we had Jackson right at the pointy end. Fair enough. So uh, in, yeah. You see, uh, like, obviously, there's a lot of good players in that top 10 area. Um, and, you know, they all bring their different talents. Um, but we, we saw Luke as the best available player at, at that range. And, um, and so that's why we selected him. Uh, with our second selection, we went with Cozzy Pickett, um, fulfilling an obvious need for a small forward. Uh, why did you rate him higher than some of the other draftees uh, who were playing that role uh, available at that pick, Waitman and, and other others like him? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, I suppose I was a academy selector back when Cosy played 16s. Um, so, you know, they had a real focus on, it, on that group then coming through and um, like what I saw of him then and and also, as a bottom age player, he's able to perform really well in finals. Um, and whilst this year for him was a little bit indifferent, he was in a, an extraordinary amount of different programs. So his best football um, was off the back of a season. Uh, sorry, a senior pre-season where he had real continuity in his training um, and his performances in senior trial games. And then early on at reserve level, um, you really got to see what he did as a small forward. And, and throughout um, his nationals and also um, with his school, we played a lot of footy on the wing and in the midfield. So um, I suppose that took away his goal source a little bit, but it still showed what he could produce in those areas of the ground. Um, Cody Waitman's a player that um, you know I really liked as a bottom ager. Don't often pick the eyes out of players, but he did take my eyes a bottom major, so we really like Cody Waitman as well. But they're two different small forwards. They're slightly different, if you like. Um, yep. We think that the ground-level play of Cozzy's speed and ability to put pressure on it and his forward craft, his front and centre craft, uh, really stood out, whereas, you know, Cody, whilst he has that, he, he's, his main game is his aerial work. Um, so, at the end of the day, when you're picking it that area of the ground, uh, sorry, that area of the draft, you're, um, it's very close. So, you know, we just felt that Cozzy was a better fit for our forward half and uh, we rated him accordingly. And, um, but, yeah, so I hope that answers that. Yeah, uh, yeah our, our third pick, uh, pick 32 overall, was Western Australian Trent Rivers, who by all accounts was a bit of a slider. Um, I understand he missed much of the preseason with glandular fever and perhaps could have been even a first-round pick. Were you surprised that he was still available at 32? And whose role uh, do you see him eventually taking over at the club? I don't, I don't think you can sit here and say we're surprised. Uh, we, we were thrilled. Um, and I think that what happens on the night is that, you know, it only takes one player to slide a little bit and then, um, you know, that might to a club that had an interest in, say, a player like Rivers, and then, and it's a bit of a domino effect, so then you're hopeful and then you hopefully can just get through clubs picks who might be having as high on their order. Um, and that's generally how it can work at times. Um, we, we see him settling a 
as that rebound defender initially. Um, with his um, ability to read the game and his kicking skills, but he has played, you know, significant football in the midfield uh, where he's been. A, you know, he's averaged 27 possessions and a goal a game at Waffle Colts. Um, and as you say, coming off glandular fever, so he's delayed in his pre-season. So he's, a, he's an excellent size and um, he's a real powerful kid. So, um, but yeah, I think he'll, he'll start his football in defence. How much senior footy, uh, if any, do you see these guys playing in 2020, assuming we have a relatively injury for a year? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's the, the hope that, you, you know, at the moment the boys are training well and, and most are up and going and fit. And, um, you know, first year players typically really don't want to be calling upon or a relatively young list anyway. So, but, you know, I don't put any ceiling on any of these boys and I know that they're competitive. Um, and that competitiveness will drive them to strive to play as early as they can. Um, you know, they've all got traits that you can see them playing senior footy um, relatively early, but again, you know, that, that's, um, you just got to tread carefully with that. Um, uh, we, drive, we brought in three, three interstate players. Um, how much consideration do you guys give to uh, them perhaps being a flight risk or the return home factor, you know, a few years down the track? Yeah, obviously it's um, uh, something that you, you do a lot of homework on and discuss and it's a national competition. So we're, uh, you know, charged with picking the best players that we see and no matter where they come from, um, you know, some young men, have um, greater challenges with that and uh, you know, a lot of players move into state because of the nature of the competition and everyone misses home, it's just natural. But um, you know, you do a lot of homework, whether it be through the player and the families and uh, their management and uh, referees and you get a good gauge on that. And if you, if you were a little bit worried about that, then you, you, know, you might push your player back a fraction. Okay, we, uh, we, we traded in uh, two much-needed wingmen in uh, Tom Langdon and Adam Tomlinson into the team. Um, it's an area where we've been lacking. How far in advance were you uh, into these players and um, when did uh, we start exploring the possibility of a trade? Yeah, well, so Tim Land is taken over as this manager now that Todd Bynes departed. Um, he, you know, we've been tracking Ed Langdon since his draft year and, and obviously Adam Tomlinson as well and um, so it's been a, it hasn't come overnight. It's been something that we've been uh, looking at over a period of time. And I think that the way that you played out last year and our, you know, going over old ground, some of our injuries um, showed up a lack of run. Um, so it became more apparent, more important, albeit it wasn't as, um, you know, I suppose glaring in 2018 that certainly become more glaring last year so it has been something we've been looking to to do and it's just been ability to manufacture it um free agents and Tomlinson also allows you not to give up anything um but um you know we see Adam settling on the wing where he's played some of his best football where he's just a real grinding runner um he's been thrown around a bit in recent years so looking forward to seeing him settle down there's a lot of excitement uh, around Harley um, Bennell uh, training with the club at the moment, starting this week. Have you been involved in that process and uh, what's the, the hope and expectation there? Can he play senior footy this year? 
y'all see Tim Lamb and Josh have been definitely involved with that. And I was part of that process and met with Harley as well. But this, it, yeah, it's a, it's a real, um, just let Harley, you know, settle in and it's going to be a very, very gradual process um, and a lot of water to go under the bridge before there's really any commitment could be made there. Um, you know, and we all know he's an exciting talent. So if um, it was to, all the planets were to align and it was to work out, it would be great for the footy club. But um, it's just, I think um, everyone needs to just uh, keep the power to drive on that one. And see. And let the Fair process enough. take course. Uh, we've just signed up uh, delisted bomber Mitch Brown. Uh, he's uh, just started training, I think, today uh, for his first time on the track. Uh, if he ends up getting a spot on the list, uh, can you see us playing three talls uh, with Mitch alongside Weed and T-Mac, uh, or is he likely to just be there as a backup, uh, as a just-in-case? Well, he signed yesterday, Mitch, so that's official. Um no, oh, yeah, like he's had a good year last year and um, he does provide a different type of forward craft to the other two. Um, so, you know, he's a good grand level player as well. Um, he's got some good footy smarts. He can really run. Um, so, yeah, there's no limitations on how that looks, but um, certainly we just saw it was a good opportunity to bring in a player who's a good character and he played some good football last year. Uh, we've made some huge strides filling gaps uh, in the list. Do you feel we're still lacking in any areas and how do you rate uh, the depth of the list overall? Yeah, I was just looking through it last night. Look, I think it looks pretty settled and uh, it's one of those, you know, when when you're watching them train, so this time now as we speak and and then compared to last year, well, yeah, things look pretty good, I think. And, um, you know, the guys look really fit and healthy and... um, you know, they're back to where they were. And, um, so, you know, I'm a positive person. I think it looks pretty good in most areas. you, you just got to keep searching and evolving um, as you go. And, and as football's played, things become more apparent. But um, we think we've got enough, you know, it's all depth in both ends of the ground, um, enough midfield depth, which we'll continue to look at. Um, we've added to the outside run and our small forwards, you know, like even Kay Chandler and um, Toby Bedford uh, having really good pre-seasons. Charlie Spargo until he just got a bit of a hiccup there, was, was as well. And they're all different types of forwards. Um, so, you know, we, we think that we're, we're pretty well off in most areas and now it's just about getting to work. And, and I think that was an attraction when you're looking at players like Pickett and Waitman and and the like, and particularly Kaziah, is that um, small forwards of that ilk, they just don't really come along too often. You know, over my career span doing it, there's been literally a handful, really. Uh, Jason, we were fortunate enough to have two first-round picks this year. How hard has your job been in the previous two years uh, when we haven't had any first-round selections because of, um, you know, the Jake Lever and uh, the Stephen May trades? Well, I think you just go about your business, you know, because there's obviously with future trading and um, you just don't know what can happen. And, and part of your thinking when bringing in a selection, which we've been able to do on a few occasions, is get, get them in now. If you, if you rate a group of players, just maybe get them in now and get them going 12 months in advance. And who knows what can open up next year. And um, 
you know, so you just got to be mindful of that. Um, it's not a decision that's done willy-nilly, giving away a future first-round pick. But what we're able to do is give away a future first-round pick to get a future first-round pick in. And through that process also, we've been able to turn, which is effectively pick 97 back into 28, which then ends up 32 with uh, Academy bids. So it's been a really effective trade graph here from that sense. Uh, Aaron Kuchki went down with an ACL injury in the pre-season and uh, consequently didn't play a game. Uh, Tom Sparrow missed a large chunk of the year too with a knee injury. How are they tracking in their return? Yeah, they're going well. Aaron's still non-contact, but he's doing a lot of the uh, a lot of the training though. Like in that simulation, you might if you're ever down a train scene in the Red Hat, so he's non-contact there and. Um, so, but he, he's uh, going really well. He's a he's a real strong runner, um, and he's got high for the IQ. So he just finds the ball, Aaron. Um, yep. So that's his strength. So we've been very impressed with him over the pre-season to date. Um, you know, sometimes there's a silver lining out of um, an injury, and, and that's that you learn and grow. And, you know, not only as a player but a person and. Um, he's really settled in and having a good pre-season. And with Tom, you know, I've been really pleased the way he's come back and he's really strong and powerful and fit. And, um, you know, I know the people at the club are excited by what Tom can produce and he's training well and uh, been really impressed with his aerial work as well at training. Like he's, he's had a real presence in the air when he comes balls off. So, no, he's going well. Um, and they've got some flexibility in their game, whether it's Ball or midfield. Um, you know, again, they're, they're just uh, youngsters like James Jordan. He's come back good as well, and he's the late eight. So he doesn't need games. Um, so we just had you breaking up a, a bit there, um, and you, you were talking about um, uh, James Jordan. Uh, that was the next one I was going to ask you about. Um, but also, uh, if you can give us how how's um, uh, young Bradkey tracking um, this preseason? Yeah, sorry guys, I'm actually just driving down the ride. We've got the, the camp there with the coach Shannon Burns today, uh, later today and tomorrow with the new players. But um, yeah, it's um, he's going well. He, he's put on a little bit of size. Um, He's a real um, project player, Austin, and he's just learning his craft and learning the uh, training standards of a, a late, elite AFL environment. Um, you know, and he's, he's taking steps forward each session, really. I uh, had a bit of a hiccup with the calf, so that, that's held him back a little bit. But uh, other than that, he, he, he's uh, making progress, but he's a long-term project. Uh, Jason, we're really grateful for your time. I've just got one last one for you. Uh, presumably, you're already working towards next year's draft. How's that shaping up, given that there's meant to be a large number of uh, father-son and academy players and a couple of other names that are of interest to Demon Landers, uh, uh, Kobe Farmer and Kalani White, uh, son of Jeff. How, how are they tracking? Yeah, Jeff's son's still a little way off, and, and Kobe's obviously this year, and... Um... He's been playing some futures games with Peel Thunder, where we were able to have a look at him at the back end of last year. Um, so we'll just keep tracking there. We've had him down at the club um, during the year. It was a, and it might have been last year, but um, yeah, we've just got to keep 
keeping progress on how COVID is going. Um, obviously, Jeff's a legend of the club and we bring our best foot forward there. Um, he's also Next Generation Academy for three now. Um, and and um, uh, Yo asked me about who was the other one, sorry, mate. The other one was uh, Jeff White's uh, son, Galani, oh, who yeah, you said yeah. is a way so off. So we do obviously keep progress there, but he's a bit behind in age. Um, and also, we've got Deacon Smith coming through our next generation academy. Um, so he's playing Dean on Stingrays and also Caulfield Grammar. Um, and he, he showed some improvement this year. Um, so, yeah, we just uh, keep an eye on those boys and... Um, but next year's draft, yeah, look, I think part of our thinking we've been on record saying they're somewhat uh, compromised, but there's still going to be good players there. Um, so the academy, uh, um, we start next week, uh, where we'll be able to sit down and briefly have some interviews with some of those players in the in the hubs, um, watch them train. Uh, we've got two players coming into our club, Phillips and Ollie Lord, who will spend the week with us um, so we pretty much move straight into next year next week um, and then obviously Todd Patterson's been doing our futures work leading into that anyway um, so we're pretty well placed on that um, and there's always plays that evolve so but you know we don't know much about Chapman's all every year so we look forward to getting into that well, Jason, thank you very much for giving us uh, your time uh, today. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and it's, it's a really great insight to, to the players that we've brought into the club, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. No worries. Sorry, guys. It did break up a bit some of that, mate, so I'm sorry about that. Not a no, problem. it's all good. All good. Thanks, okay, mate. Cheers, Cheers. Well, that was uh, Jason Taylor. Uh, always uh, great speaking to Jason. You get a, a real good insight into um, into the draft picks and um, and the whole process. Uh, great, Viney. Uh, it was a great interview. Yeah, very grateful uh, to the club, firstly, for uh, uh, offering up Jason and also very grateful to the Demonlanders for the many questions we got on the thread, uh, some of which we managed to include in the interview. Of course, we couldn't go on forever and ever we wish we could so i uh, had to cut some of those down but um yeah uh, uh, great to hear from him and hard not to be just a little bit excited perhaps about next year i think yeah it is very uh very uh, i am very excited uh this time of year have you been the, drinking any bath water uh, yeah, this time of the year is the best uh, best vintage of bath water there there is um I, I love this time of year and another person who probably loves this time of year is our good friend george on the outer george good evening how are you good evening andy and uh, good evening great finding good evening to all the uh, demon land uh, aficionados I don't know how you're going to last the next 78 days uh, till a footy's kicked in anger um, if you're getting uh, so excited at this stage of the year. Uh, well, well, the good thing is we have the uh, the training, the great training reports that we get from uh, a variety of demon landers, um, and that can usually tide us over. I don't know what we're going to do over the Christmas break because obviously we won't be getting any information during that time, uh, but it is a very exciting time of the year. And... Uh, Oh, we'll, we'll start tonight's program uh, talking about uh, our, our draft picks. We've got uh, three new boys 
down at the club, actually more than more than three, but from this particular draft, we've got three. Um, I'll start with you, Grave Liney. Were you surprised? I think we knew we were after Luke Jackson with uh, pick number three. Um, is that the play? Is he the player that you wanted? I uh, I can't say I know too much about uh, the draft, Andy. Uh, I, I read, um, you know, what's online. We see the highlights. The uh, all the players look fantastic to me. And I note that when Fox Footy uh, calling them out, up to at least four, the first forty could all be the the pick of the draft. So, um, look, I, I trust in the uh, uh, I trust in the experts and what they've done, but. I've got to say that from a logical point of view, the selections make good sense to me. So um, mm. I, I'm excited about uh, about the three players we've selected. Yeah, uh, George, I'll throw it to you. Uh, uh, were you uh, are you happy with going for a ruckman? I know it's not the usual pick to to pick a ruckman with uh, such a high draft pick. Um, it's usually reserved for the, the midfielders. Uh, what are your thoughts with our pick? I think it was interesting that um, from Jason's um, interview then when he said that they've been tracking Jackson since February, I think it was. Um, uh, so this wasn't a um, last-minute um, sort of plunge or something that was being pushed by the media or even the people on Demonland. Um, I, I think the, the advantage of Jackson is is that he's versatile. He, he can play ruck, um, but also... Uh, he can play forward as well. So uh, his mobility means that he can um, fit in in a variety of roles. And while I'd be doubtful about whether we'll see him in the in the coming year, th- those these are the sort of talented players. If he's got the talent that uh, some are saying, you can mould into something very special. Um, so in that in this in this case, yeah, you can. I think uh, it was an excellent pick, well researched, fitted in nicely with what. Uh, we wanted for the future, and uh, we could get very, uh, very excited about this kid if he's um, if he comes as good as what he's promised. Uh, are you worried? Uh, I'll start with you, George. Are you worried about? We we asked um, we asked Jason about the go home factor. Is that a concern for you? Um, it's a <clears> national <throat> competition, as he said. So players, you know, and not every player that comes from interstate looks to go home, uh, but we've, we're coming off an experience with Jesse Hogan where every time his, uh, his contract was up, uh, Frio, West Coast are sniffing around. Do you think this is going to happen with, uh, with a number three draft pick like Luke Jackson? Are we going to worry every time his, um, he, his contract is up for renewal? No, I, I think the um, current group of uh, crop of players all know that it's a national competition in the first place. The, the big factor, I believe, that uh, keeps players at, at their respective clubs is the club themselves. Um, yep. I think we've seen the dysfunction in Gold Coast, in particular in the last couple of years. Um, the players just want to get out of the place and they'll go anywhere to, to get out of the place. Uh, as long as the culture is, is okay around the club, then the players do stick. It's, it's not like you know, 20 years ago or so players were... Um, wanting to go home to mum or they preferred the food in Western Australia or up in Queensland or whatever it might have been. Um, they're now much more professional and much more prepared than they ever have been in the past. So, yes, it might be a risk, but yeah, he could just as easily be picked up by Collingwood as being picked up by West Coast into the future. 
And yeah. I think I mean if if you've got if if you don't have a good club culture, you're not just gonna you're not just at risk of losing your interstate players. You lose your <clears throat> local players too. So um, I, I don't think it's a big deal. And I think yes, you're right about the constant speculation with Jesse, but that's really a test of supporters' nerves more than anything else. Um, whether you can handle the constant references in the newspapers, and I think the Jesse situation is a bit unique, just given um, you know the uh, p- particular circumstances that that he had to face. Mm. I went down to, and he he left at the end of a, a very the most successful season that we've had um, after sticking around through the tough years. So the Hogan example doesn't even really sort of bear that out. Yeah, I was just about to say before that, uh, you know, success as well uh, helps keep players. But then again, that that Jesse situation proved that uh, theory completely wrong. So um, unless he had some uh, foresight in what was going to happen in 2019, uh, yeah, that that doesn't uh, hold true. Um, But he re-signed once or twice, didn't he? Um, Before going. So, And they were the tough years uh, when there wasn't necessarily a light at the end of the tunnel. So, yep. Um, I went down to training the other day and uh, I got to see the new boys in the flesh. Uh, and I can say Luke Jackson, he's not your, he's not a skinny kid. He's not some skinny beanpole ruckman. Um, he looks like he's ready-made. He could slot into the team easily. I don't think he'll be getting a game round one, but you never know. But uh, he'll play footy this year. I've got no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen the train, but Pickett for me is the one who's probably most likely to debut early or debut first out of the group, I think. Um, and a, a small forward can sort of do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, in a way you'd kind of hope, as Jason said, that you don't, you're not relying on your draftees to, to be playing first year up. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with with Great Viney there. Sorry, Andy. Um, uh, you know, I think Pickett's the most likely simply because Pickett's uh, the most likely to fill the the gaping hole that we've got in the small forward area. Um, we've we've covered a lot of the other areas on the wings that were problematic. Um, there might be a, a you know somewhere suspect suspecting a a, pro, a problem in the forward line. Well, that seems to have been covered by um, the recruitment of Brown. Um, but, yeah, I, I would suspect Pickett's the most likely. And given the role of the small forward, um, uh, unlike a Ruckman big forward that, that Jack, uh, Jackson would be, is you, know, you need to put a lot of development into the big blokes and not so much into the smaller ones. Yeah, uh, Pickett, you know, people were worried, you know, oh, he's, he's really short. Um, I saw him at training. It, it, you know, he, he's also not a skinny kid either. He's got a bit of size to him, and from some of the highlights I've seen, he's got a bit of mongrel to him as well. And you know, that's what we're severely lacking. If he can find the goals and um, a, and be able to you know tackle and pr- provide some of that uh, you know defensive pressure in the forward line, that's something we've <laughs> severely you know sorely missed. Um, you know, that, that's huge. And if he can provide that for us, yeah, I think we'll be he'll be getting a game early on this year as well. Um, Which is good for supporters. A little bit of X factor never goes mm-hmm. astray. Um, and we haven't had that sort of spark. Um, so it'll be uh, be good to see it if he can light up the G. Yeah. I'll just say one, one other sure. thing. Great to see. I really like seeing those pictures of him on the G 
for the first time, standing there with his uh, nana, who um, was in tears on draft night. And it's um, particularly good, well, for me anyway, to see it with these Indigenous kids who, um, particularly the ones from remote communities, if footy doesn't work out for them, they don't have the same opportunities that, you know, a kid from Brighton Grammar does. So um, to see the passion and the emotion and the significance of it for the family is one of the uh, one of the aspects of draft night that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, that's true. Um, the 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 other the other boy we picked up uh, is also doesn't look like a boy. Uh, maybe he's got uh, uh, you know he's got a fresh young face, but he's a big boy too. And I, I think they quoted his height as one eighty eight. Um, I think he might be a bit taller than that. I'm not sure, but he certainly didn't look dwarfed by the one ninety eight to two hundred centimeter um, Luke Jackson. He he looked big next to him, and he's got a big pair of mitts, I must say, and not a not a small light frame. And I really liked what Jason Taylor said about him that uh, he did play quite a bit in the midfield as well. Uh, did he say he was averaging twenty seven uh, disposals and a goal as a midfielder as well? Uh, there's a lot to like about that too. Yeah, yeah, they had me at a late kick. Um, was all <laughs> I needed to hear, um, and that's that's about the extent that I've uh, I've heard. The rest of it sounds great. Yep. I think the danger with going down to training, Andy, is they all look big to me. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> me too. Uh, but then, no, I'm not just comparing them to myself. You are seeing them next to guys that have been in the system for a while, and uh, you know, a, a big-bodied men. And to see three recruits come in and not be, you know, these skinny kids, um, it's really, it's good to see. So, you know, obviously we're going to have to wait and see what happens. They'll probably all start at Casey. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we played Tom Sparrow round one last year straight out of the, uh, you know, straight out of the uh, draft. So uh, you never know. Did you get to see his, uh, his kicking at all at training, Rivers? Uh, a, a little bit. Um, I there was so much to see because I was focusing on the young kids. I was trying to have a look at. Uh, we had. Rehab. We had the, yep. I was looking to see he was in rehab. Harley Bunnell made his first appearance with the club. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, and there was Mitch Brown too, who we'll also yep. talk about. So there was a lot to sort of take in. And um, but I did see Pickett kick a few times, and he's got an absolutely sensational kick. Hit hit players lace out at times. So, um, yeah, I was very, very impressed with him. Um, Does he look anything like his uh, uncle? Uh, no, I think his uncle, by the time he came to the D's, was, was quite a big, solid fella. Not that, uh, not that uh, Kasai is, you know, he's, he's not a skinny kid, as I mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Byron was quite beefy and uh, yeah, was. Yep. once he was uh, playing for the D. So, so not quite yet, but, uh, you know, he'll, 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 he'll be a good acquisition for us, I've got no doubt. Um, I guess the, the fanfare at training the other day was, you know, there was a l- heap of reporters down there and they were all there to see one man. They were there to see uh, Harley Bunnell, uh, who hasn't been picked up yet by the Ds. He's been invited to train with us and... Um, Providing things go well, we'll probably list him as a, I don't know, 
yeah, George, do you know what the listing is, whether it's a Category B rookie or or the like? I'm not sure what uh, whether there's a list space available for him or not. Yes, there there, there is one list space, I believe. Um, this is the supplementary player list, um, whatever they call it, basically – um, and with the change in the rookie rules, you can basically ch- uh, play rookies from day one in any case. So uh, as far as I'm aware, there's one spot to go there. And if he wants to um, to show that he's good enough to do it, then it looks like he, um, he's been slated for that. But if he doesn't come up, I think we've still got, um, like we did with uh, Marty Hoare and, and Dunkley last year, there's still you can still bring players in at a later stage. Uh, yeah, so I went, as I said, I was at, down at training, had a good look at him. He started off by just walking a lap. Uh, he then went over to the rehab group. Um, he sort of did a few jogs. I would estimate about 50-metre jogs. He was sort of being timed on those jogs, uh, and they really were jogs. It wasn't wasn't even really running. Uh, so he was, he's not doing much in terms of running. I'm not sure what the schedule there is. I, I think I read somewhere that he won't be going into the full swing of things until February. Um, mm. I'm not sure. Did you guys read that article? There was something about him not starting until February proper. Uh, so th- there's a long, lot of water to go under the bridge with him in terms of I wouldn't be expecting him to play uh, for us for quite a while Um if he does play, then it's not going to be until the latter half of the year. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Andy. I did, did a little bit of research on Dr. Google. Uh, apparently, <laughs> he's had um, uh, both plantaris muscles removed from uh, his calf. There's a whole series of muscles down which make up what we call the calf, but um, it's apparently not an unusual sort of uh, treat, uh, injury um, uh, in that area. And there was also another interesting article uh, from the Victorian Institute of Sport of uh, 10 athletes who had had similar surgeries. Um, so it's not a great uh, definitive group to, to, um, uh, on which to draw on, but uh, one of those athletes had the same surgery and three months later was actually competing in the Golden League um, athletics so um, that sort of gives you some hope that um, in the short term he, he could be back. But, of course, he hasn't played for so long that he's got to get not, not just um, overcome the surgery but also get, get to the necessary AFL level of fitness. So, yeah, full training by February would be fantastic, but uh, it'll still be uh, a couple of months later at the very best um, before we, could, we, we would expect to see him, I suspect. Yeah, I'm not uh, not factoring him into my equations or my best 22. Mm. I hope for the best, um, yep. but yeah, not expecting too much out of this one. Yeah, I don't and think. I think uh, I, even the pessimism I had, I think Jason um, perhaps added to it with the way he described uh, described it in the interview. I'd sort of give it maybe five percent chance of coming off, or seven and a half percent chance of coming off. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be putting him into your best twenty twos just yet. But if if we can get him right, if if he is over all those troubles, uh, it's certainly ex- an exciting prospect. And if it's not later the, this year, and if they can get him right, but it's not sort of this year, uh, in terms of him not having the fitness base, then um, next year, look out. Um, I, I'm excited by the prospect, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not. Um, 
I'm, I'm not bringing out the balloons just yet. Um, uh, the other player, uh, Mitch Brown, we were linked to him uh, a couple of weeks ago after the trade period and probably after our last podcast. So um, uh, from what I do know about him, uh, Essendon fans, based on my uh, just perusing of Twitter at the time when he was delisted by Essendon, they they were ropeable, a lot of uh, Essendon fans. Um, so they weren't happy of getting rid of him. He is is he 28 years old? Uh, or, yes. yes. Or, or 29? 28, 29, yep. So yep. they weren't happy that they got rid of him. Um, uh, what, what do you think about him uh, as a, a prospect for the Demons? He's on the list now. Um, it, it makes sense. Um, and as I sort of said at the top of the show, it's, it's logical. Uh, the fact is... Had we had him this year, he would have played yep. because we needed him, um, and uh, he'll be the same next year's uh, insurance. Should uh, there be injuries or uh, the forward setup not, you know, the forward line not work, um, as it didn't this year. When we played Sydney later in the year, um, we had no tall forwards. Uh, mm. T Mac was injured. Wiedemann was injured. I think Tim Smith yep. wasn't playing. He was injured. Um, all of our tall forwards were out, so we had, uh, with, it, with the exception of Bailey Fritch, who I wouldn't categorise as a tall forward, even though he can take a nice mark, a lead and a nice mark, you wouldn't consider him a tall forward. So if he was with us, he would have been, as you said, he would have been playing. Um, I was down at training. I'm not sure whether he was, the when they did the match sim drills, I don't know if he was the the target forward. Um, uh, T Mac wasn't uh, training because uh, I think he had an ankle complaint the other day, and we'll talk about the players in rehab in a moment. Uh, Wiedemann was playing uh, sort of deep, you know, sort of out of the square, but they had him at centre half forward, and he's got a really nice lead. He takes a mark, um, takes a nice mark, and has a pretty decent kick as well. So I was quite impressed with him. I think by the end of training, he looked a bit cook, uh, cooked. Uh, but that was probably his first proper training uh, since the end of last year. Uh, so, uh, But I was quite impressed with what I saw, so I'm happy for him to be there as backup. He said in an interview he doesn't want to be there as a just-in-case. Obviously, that's what any player is going to say in that situation, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite happy that we've got him and I'm happy you know, to, to play that Pedersen role or that uh, you know Tim Smith role to come in uh, as needed, and yep. if yeah. he play, plays well in the twos, then uh, and earns his spot, then I'm happy for him to be there as well. George? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think you hit it right on the head there, where you mentioned Pedersen. Um, uh, we really haven't had anyone replace Cam um, in that role. You know that that just big, solid, reliable player who could play every game. Um, uh, Brown played, I think it was six, 16 games this year for Essendon and kicked 21 goals, which was only one less than our leading goal kicker in Petrarca for the whole season. So he's bringing something to the club immediately. I, I fail to understand actually why Essendon got rid of him, given all the problems uh, about whether Danaher was going to re-sign and their only other forward is essentially Stringer. So, But... Um, uh, having him along, having him along as as insurance, and if he if he plays well enough, I think was a strategically a good move because um, 
while we've got TMAC there, we've still got a lot of unknowns around whether Wiedemann can fill a role, whether Petty can fill a role. Um, at least with Brown, you know he can fill a role and would, would do so very quickly. Um, the, other, the other person who might be um, enthused about his um, engagement would be Super Mercado because he's uh, bringing out the useless demon facts. He's only the third player ever to play for Geelong, Eston and Melbourne. Although the uh, the previous one in Trevor Spencer uh, only played three games and and um, injured his knee on the second game, and while he came from Eston as a goal kicker, he kicked absolutely zero goals for us when he played. So we hope the same doesn't happen to Mitch Brown. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, before we go, I was going to we'll, we'll talk about the rehab group in a second. But while we've just talked about um, uh, the new new players into the club, any thoughts on uh, player numbers? I think we've had it confirmed by the um, Instagram accounts of the new guys. I think Luke Jackson has got a number six on his account. So unless that's a carryover from when he was playing uh, for his old club. Uh, I think he's going to be number six. Uh, Trent Rivers has also a number on his Instagram account, uh, 24. So it looks like he's going to take JKH's number. Uh, as I mentioned, Luke Jackson takes um, uh, Jordan Lewis's number. Now, at training, they weren't wearing those numbers. Uh, Luke Jackson was wearing 17 and um, and Rivers was wearing 20. Uh, I have a feeling they were wearing those because... They're just the the jumpers of the previous inhabitants that fit them, um, and Pickett was wearing thirty six, which I like. Um, so hopefully he does take that one. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be nice, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> any thoughts on uh, on a Benella Brown? <laughs> what else? Which which numbers are, are vacant? Uh, I guess seventeen's out there if it's if it's not uh, Luke Jackson. 15, 15 available. 15. Oh, well, Lang, Lang, I forgot Langdon, Lang, Langdon and Tomlinson. I nearly uh, joined their names together. Uh, Langdon is wearing 15 at training. Not sure oh. if that's because he fits into Billy Stretcher's Guernsey or not. <laughs> um, but he could be 15 and I'm not We haven't seen Tomlinson uh, grace the field uh, just yet. I think he was only eligible to start training uh, last week or at the beginning of this week. Uh, but as we uh, found out a few weeks ago, and we'll talk about the rehabbers now, um, he's going to have a delayed start to the pre-season uh, with a calf complaint. Um, so let's hope. Well, he gets I thought I read on Demonland that uh, now that Miso is gone, we weren't going to have any injuries anymore. <laughs> and you're telling me that already we've got injuries? Well, apparently he injured himself while running before he got to the club. Um, so <laughs> we gotta, I don't know if we can blame Miso for that one. We can't blame the surface of Gosh's paddock on, on that one. Um, but yes, uh, so the, the rehab group, it's certainly not as large as it was last year. Anyone who went down to training, anyone who's read Demon Land, anyone who's read anything about the injuries last year, we had a lot of uh, post-season surgeries and hence we had a lot of players not start till well after Christmas and a lot of them weren't even contact uh, well after Christmas as well. Um, I, I like that it was confirmed uh, by Jason Taylor that wearing the red hat at training does in fact mean no contact. Um, there was a player the other day, oh, Nitschke, Nitschke, 
uh, was wearing the red hat. So he, he's tr- in full training, but he has the red hat on, so no contact for him. Uh, our rehabbers at the moment are Hannon, who I heard somewhere that he's got a groin complaint. Uh, obviously, Benell is in there. Tomlinson, who we mentioned with the calf complaint. Uh, Petty, uh, do either of you know what uh, Petty's uh, nope. injury is? George? Nothing Nothing that I'm aware of, no. He was in the uh, thing, and Baker as well is uh, at the moment in, in the injury group. Uh, T-Mac had a complaint the other day, apparently. Uh, someone mentioned he might have just rolled his ankle. Uh, yeah. That, I think, was on the Monday training. I was there Wednesday, and he came out. He did a couple of sprints on the boundary, I think it was just sort of testing it out, but then he, he did leave the track. Uh, I, I'd say that's more precaution. They're just going to ease him back into it. Um, Maybe his toes spread to his ankle. It could be, could be the toe. I don't know. Related, related to the original injury. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was Sati who, who mentioned the ankle, um, but, yeah, it could be the toe. We don't know. So um, the, the other one and the concerning one for mine, Viney, um, has been wearing runners when he was even in the full training group instead of the boots. So there's obviously something going on with his foot. And then I think the last two trainings he's been in the rehab group. I saw him just riding the bike. He did a couple of uh, runs, you know, quite quite uh, vigorous sprints around the boundary uh, and then was on the bike. So he's still obviously able to do some things and keep up that cardio work, but... It's a concern that he's um, obviously they're deloading, you know, doing that old deloading thing. But uh, like to get a full preseason under his belt or pretty close to it. Yeah, Mitch Hannon and Oscar Baker are the other two in there that that really would be wanting full preseasons too. Neither of them you had know. a full preseason last year. Um, yep. Hannon, I think, was come had the knee complaints and was yeah. sort of in and out of rehab with that and then obviously we know that he didn't play much of the season uh with that I, i'm not i don't know whether this is also the knee or it's something else but it it is concerning him and baker because baker just can't get a good run at it didn't have a full preseason last year not going to have a full preseason this year he's got langdon and and tomlinson in in his positions coming into the team yeah, it's uh, at the moment not looking good for him. Yep. And there's and there's one guy that you uh, forgot in all of that, I haven't. Andy, I've got, I've got, and that's uh, got, Mr. Vandenberg. I've got two guys, uh, <laughs> two that I'm, one, not as worried about because from all accounts, Vandenberg has been sort of not necessarily being in the rehab group, but he's been doing other things, but more vigorously than, say, the rehab because when you go down to the rehab, they're really not doing such yeah. vigorous training they're doing whatever they can do whether it's uh, whether it's jogging or but he's been doing but it, it, the concerning thing is that he's not doing the full match sims and all, all that so there's a little concern there but he's been doing a little bit more than he was doing last year that's for sure um but there is one other guy that I'm really really concerned about and he I think appeared early on in the trainings, but hasn't been cited of late, and that's uh, Cade Kolejasny. Mm. Um, is that a worry for you guys? I mean, he's had the concussion issues. 
I don't yep. know what I don't know what the issue is now, but not being. But we heard concussion and then neck, and then we sort of don't know what was going on. But uh, he's another one that yeah has not really factored into into my thinking. And you know, Vanders is 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 a hope and a prayer uh, mm. rather than anything else, because yeah, he just hasn't played enough footy to to warrant the trust that he, he can get his body right. So hope for the best. Yeah. Kate Collard-Jasney um, sounds like a rerunner of the McCartan situation, isn't it? Mm. Just can't get on the track when he does, something goes wrong. Um, yeah, it's a, a sad, sad situation. Um, um, at the moment, you know, we didn't have, didn't have his services last year, so we won't miss him. But, um, gee, I, I hope Vandenberg gets on the track, you know, being, being um, desperate Melbourne supporters. You look at the previous games, you look at the 18... Uh, 2018 finals, even the JLT games from last year. When you see Vandenberg on the on the ground, we look so much better aside. Um, so miss, missing him uh, could be very critical. But uh, we just got to keep the fingers crossed and hope hope that he does doesn't become another one of those statistics or another one of those maybe could have been uh, players that that we have a seem to have a long history of. Even the recent history uh, players, Tim Smith, uh, Corey mm. Maynard, um, v- Vanders B- Baker, uh, who are still Joel with the Smith. team, Joel Smith, mm. and Joel Smith was training with the full group, so that's good to see. Hopefully he can get a pre-season under his belt, but he's also been one of those players in and out of the team. We've had a lot of those players, so, you know, we just need a bit of luck with some of those guys, um, yeah, because... Um, I did uh, forget to mention, if you would like to join us on the show tonight, you can do that two ways. You can jump in our chat room at demonland.com slash podcast, uh, write something, uh, say something, comment, we'll read it out if we can. Uh, or if you want to join us and uh, give us a call, 0390163666, that's 0390163666, or Skype us at demonland31. We love hearing from Demonlanders and listeners of the program. So if you've got something you want to say about any of the draft picks or train, you've been down to training, you want to uh, give your thoughts, uh, please give us a call. Um, boys, um, uh, did, you, did you see on the uh, latest training thread on Demonland, there was, there was a lot of talk about the, 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 some of the balls that they've been using at training. They've been the, uh, the Sharon Precision balls, uh, I don't know if it was invented by um, Mark Williams uh, or not, but they're the they're the normal Sherons, but they've got a line down the middle and a uh, dot on the ends of them. Um, they're training aids. They do say that they're training aids for people of all levels of football, uh, in this case elite players as well. Um, kicking was a bit of a problem last year for us in um so I, i'm there was someone on demon i can't remember who i name them but they weren't happy with elite players learning how to kick again but if there is a problem I, i'm want the club to fix it any way they can and if they need to use training aids like that to to sort out the issues i'd prefer that you can't go back in time and and or, or you can't uh, delist every single player and um and get elite so kicks out of nowhere, but yeah. These new precision footies, they've replaced the old plastic skills footy uh, <laughs> that, that we used to use at, uh, 
at uh, junior junior footy in the under sevens and eights, um, those plastic balls. But uh, I don't see what the big deal is. Um, I know that yeah, there, was a, there was a bit of a fuss about it, but uh, as uh, I think you pointed out in the thread, they don't use them throughout no. uh, all the training. So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> If, if if they do something and improve people's um, kicking skills in particular, then that could only be good. Um, I'm sure we all agree that um, we've had players in the past and probably there's players in the team at the moment who you just wish would learn to kick properly um, in the classical uh, case. But if this, this achieves the target, then that's great. But um, the other side of the coin is, well, unless they start using these footballs in genuine AFL matches, you're actually disadvantaging these players in the future. I don't know. I've got no idea about these things. Well, someone made a point that, uh, you know, you can teach, you can try and uh, teach better habits of players, but perhaps when the, the heat is on and, um, you know, players might just revert back to, to what they, they know. So, Look, I'm all for them trying to fix something up, and if this is going to help, then I'm all for doing whatever it takes to, to sort of fix a, a deficiency um, in any aspect. Um, and we've got Darren Burgess down at the club now, and I one thing I noticed at trading, they were pulling out um, groups of uh, six or eight players at a time uh, to do sort of uh, pulling them away from the main group and getting them to do sort of you know, some rigorous exercises. They were doing grappling. They were doing burpees. They were doing, um, they were leapfrogging each other and going under each other's feet and and just really busting a gun and really looked to sort of take a lot out of them. And then they would bring them straight back into whatever drill they were doing. And I guess, as we sort of mentioned on the training thread, that was there to simulate being buggered, you know, being spent at the end of a quarter, at the end of the game and, and, and you know, just getting used to that fact. And it was something I hadn't seen at training before. It's obviously not anything new but it's uh it might be new to to the days and it was sort of something that we you know we could see at end of quarters was we were really being affected end of matches uh not being able to run out and that could have had a lot to do with not having full pre-seasons under a lot of the players belts uh but it's good to see we've got a good chunk of players at training at the moment, uh, whereas we didn't last year and, and they're training for that in particular. So it was something good that I like seeing and I'm sure that's got Darren Burgess's name written all over it. Well, he's come from Arsenal, uh, Darren Burgess, and I'm a um, rabid Tottenham supporter, so I've got my <laughs> eye on this clown. And as soon as he steps out of line, I'm going to go down to training, find his car and spray paint it white. <laughs> and just say North London is lily white. Uh, no, look, he's obviously a very good get and highly rated in the industry. So that um, fatigue sort of simulation that you're mentioning, it sort of seems bizarre that they wouldn't have done that previously. Maybe they have and they've just done it in a different way, I suppose. But it just seems something that, yeah, would have been um, part, of the, part of the routine. Yeah, I'm not suggesting they didn't do it last year. Just it wasn't as noticeable. I've yeah, only went yep. to a handful of trainings, not even that, last year, and I've only been to one this year. Uh, yeah. But from all reports I've read, uh, I can't remember even reading reports about that when we, you know, from our regular track watchers last year. But I'm, I'm sure they do it's something similar. Done in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
Isn't it nice though that they're able to do this compared to last year, where you know exactly there were just so many people off the track that they couldn't do anything um, with the with the limited numbers that they did have. So um, yeah, it can only be a positive. So some of the stats that uh, were thrown out last year about uh, how many players at some sessions w- was just um, you know frightening, and and you can yeah. see why we had the year we had, and that's not the only excuse, but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. This year, it's definitely not the case. Uh, the the rehab group is tiny in comparison. Um, so yep, yeah, let's let's hope these guys can get a full, or the majority of them get a full preseason under their belt. Amen to that. Since our last program, the twenty twenty fixture has come out. Um, George, I'll start with you. Were you? Uh, we we knew we knew we were going to get a better draw. We knew, uh, and in terms of just who we play, not necessarily where and when, uh, but we knew we were going to being in the bottom six. We were going to play uh, the other bottom six teams twice. Uh, we're always going to get a favourable favourable draw in that sense. Were you happy uh, with the final product? Uh, not just who we played, but when and where we're playing. Um, the, the draw is what the draw is the draw. It's what you're given uh, effectively. Um, I don't hold to the um, idea that we've got an easy draw simply because um, when you look at the bottom six for last year, from last year, us included, um, you look at Carlton who've recruited heavily again and have have got some really genuine talent. There, I, I can't see them staying down the bottom. They they won six out of their last eleven games, so they they won more more games than us in total, and they missed out against the Bulldogs and I can't remember who who else by five points and three points. So they could have easily had eight eight wins last year. St Kilda have gone berserk and have recruited just about everybody who can breathe. Um, uh, Their first um, draft pick, I think, was in the 50s. Um, So obviously the word down there is don't worry about the future. We want to do something this year. Um, Who else we got? Sydney. Um, I don't think Sydney are ever ever easy beats. Mm. Uh, Fremantle, again, um, I don't think they're going to be easy beats. Um, The teams that I think that might drop off in the coming year, uh, a port and, and Adelaide in particular, maybe North Melbourne, but um, I don't think we've got an easy. Not not. Oh, Gold Coast was the other one, but even there, the, you know, the AFL's throwing resources at them and and draft picks um, to make them a, a better side. And you know, they only we only beat them in the last dying seconds um, uh, last year, so. Once again, uh, I don't think there's any easy games that we could have counted on in, in past years where you'd go, oh, yeah, well, of those other five teams there, you could count, you know, uh, 10 wins for the season. You'd, you'd be knocking on the door of the finals. So I don't see that that's the case in this coming year. It's going to be a lot harder. Um, uh, were you surprised? Uh, and I'll go to you, Great Viney. First, were you surprised about the the number of Friday night games we got? Obviously, the Anzac Eve game this year falls on a Friday night, so we got that by default. But I thought, uh, going you know before we got the draw, that that may be our only Friday night game that we did get uh, by default. Almost, uh, I thought at most we might get two. 
Uh, we got three in the end. Uh, so the Anzac Eve, we've got a game away against Hawthorne, which is at the G, but it's an away game. And then we've got the away game uh, against the, the the Lions at the Gabba as a Friday night as well. Um, were you surprised we got as many Fridays as we did? No, because I don't think the AFL have given up on us. And I think they're a little bit like the rest of the the AFL world, uh, and they're not quite sure which was the real Melbourne. Um, was it two eighteen or two nineteen? So, um, look, we get we got the Anzac Eve and the QB games uh, just you know because of the year that yep. it happens to be. But I think the draw is otherwise okay, as you say. You know, you get the lower teams, but look, there's always teams that slide. And there's always teams that lift, um, and it's not the ones who you necessarily expect. And, um, you know, there's always a few anomalies, particularly in upsets, uh, particularly in the early rounds. So, you, you know, there's always some, some sort of strange results there. So you never really know yeah, until until the season's, um, you know, five or six weeks old how you really mm. sit and where others are, are sitting too. The um, uh, on the whole, I'm happy with our draw, um, but you know, there's a lot of unknowns uh, who falls off, who who rises. Uh, two things I'm not happy with: I wasn't happy that we got to go to um, Perth first up. Uh, you know, hot hot afternoon in Perth at that time of year. I think we're playing at three twenty. Uh, Perth time. Uh, We've had f- home games for so uh, home games yeah, no, around we, one for so many years. We in have a row, been blessed. Inevitable it was going to happen. Yeah, but having it's a it's a hard one to go out out to Perth. Uh, you know, we're probably scarred from the preliminary final as well. Supporters <laughs> <laughs> are. Yeah, well, that's that's for sure. I won't be making that that trip over there <laughs> the, uh, next year. Um, but uh, that's a, that's a tough one. And the other one, I'm oh, another. I'm livid again. We've got to go down to to Geelong. For the 900th year in a row, um, we just keep getting shoved down there, and I, I don't think that'll change until we change and are yep. consistently a good team and can command sort of maybe an MCG home game against them. Uh, we just don't get home games against them. Uh, we seem to blame once a year, and it's always over there. Uh, you know, I can count on on half a hand the, t- the amount of times we've played them at the G. Uh, not including the elimination final, and I'm sure the AFL w- would try to send us down there if we weren't ahead of them on the ladder. Um, another one I'm not happy with: round 23 back in back in Tasmania, and I'm gonna bet my bottom dollar unless we change things around, uh, and even if not, because we're sort of the punching bag of the AFL at times with these type of things. We're going to be down at Tasmania every single year playing them and probably in round 23 as well. Yeah, I, I'm not too fussed about it, no. to be honest. <laughs> I think, no, I mean, I think, you know, once if you've got a good team, that's the old, yeah. you know, play them anywhere, anytime yeah, yeah, theory, yeah. isn't it? And uh, I like playing the, the victim. The, Look, uh, Hobart aside, we've got a pretty good record on the road. And even this year, the games that we didn't win, we actually should have won, including the West Coast. Yeah, West game. Coast, so, twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, look, it's not, not all doom and gloom. 
even the West Coast game, you know, it's the f first round. If if there's an opportunity for us to um, to uh, cause an upset, it's certainly in that that first round. When once the West Coast machine gets up and running towards the latter half of the season, um, they seem to be unstoppable. But his, I think this is a, you know, it should be seen as an opportunity for us to really stamp our name on it and you know so to tell tell the competition how good we can be um it's all on the line on that first first game and theoretically we'll have a good number of players available so um uh, I'm, i'd prefer to to meet them early in the season rather than later uh we've got a call uh that's just come in uh good evening welcome to the program who am i talking to <clears throat> Hello, fellas. This is um, Don't Make Me Angry. How are you lot doing tonight? Oh, very good, uh, Don't Make Me Angry. It's been a while since we've spoken to you. Uh, how are you going? Oh, fantastic. Just fantastic. Everything's just great. Pre-season is <laughs> the best time of the year, isn't it? It is the best time of the year. Um, you know, nothing can go... Well, a lot of things can go wrong, but uh, uh, we're not losing any games at the moment, so it is a good time of the year. Um, what did you want to talk to us about tonight? Oh, just uh, going to say how this preseason, I can just, yeah, this time last year was a worry of uh, who's who's fit. No one's in, and I was thinking, oh, it's all right. We'll, we'll do all right. Um, but then it proved to be, um, you know, a downfall. And everybody, a lot of people say, oh, it's, an ex it's just an excuse to blame injuries. But I think last year, even this I sort of told, told the board that pretty much we were going to start the season we're going to struggle for the first six rounds because so many players were injured. Yeah, I must say I was one of those people at the beginning of the year thinking, oh, how much can it affect us? They'll, they'll get back, they'll, they'll train after Christmas, they'll, they'll get into it and, you know, they'll get fit during the year. And I, I didn't realise how, you know, how sort of important those miles into the legs uh, for those few months uh, before the start of the year are. I think we all un underestimated that. Uh, we knew that they had had interrupted pre-seasons, but we didn't realise how much that would affect us. And considering how many players as well uh, were affected by by that um, interrupted pre-season. So it, it sort of came as a bit of a shock to all of us. I think we thought things would just right itself and they, they didn't get any better. And then injuries during the year didn't help either. Yeah, it's just the injuries, just, I, I think the injuries just never... I don't think the injury list, list fell below 10 for the whole year. There was always at least 10 to 12 to 16 people. I think some games in the VFL only had like four or five or six players to pick from, to pick in the VFL side. So there wasn't a very healthy list. But I think this year was the year that we just had to have the recession that <laughs> the recession that we just had to have. And um, like every great year starts with a really poor year, you know, in 2016. Um, even Hawthorne after they won, you know, the premiership in um, 08, they had a couple of lean years and they, then they had their dynasty. So just hoping that history repeats itself again and again. So, and um, yeah, so I reckon, I reckon we're just pumped, just pumped and everything sounds positive. And uh, I think to, uh, I can, I think track track is just going to have the year, a, a dusty sort of a year and Gus, Gus is going to come back the way he was the previous year when he came third in the Brownlow. I think he was, um, 
I think he was uh, he had a pretty bad preseason and he couldn't do his hundred hundreds that he normally does in Christmas time. So if he does his hundred hundreds in Christmas time, I'm betting that he's going to have a great year. And I put a cheeky couple of dollars on um, Viney to win the Brownlow. I reckon Jack Viney's going to have a great year. He's um, it's probably the first time in three years that he's actually ran. He's actually been running this time of the year. He hasn't done that for the last three years where he's actually ran in the preseason. So that's what I reckon. Well, let's hope let's hope you're right. Um, speaking of, speaking of Viney, um, guys, uh, captaincy. Uh, what do you reckon uh, in terms of uh, of the captaincy uh, stuff? Um, we had, uh, I think it was after our last program, uh, Nathan Jones stepped down as captain of the club after you know served great service to the club. Um, where do you stand on the captaincy issue? Are you in favour of the the uh, co-captain model? Do you want to see them? You know, now that uh, now that Jones has, has stepped down, would you like to see them uh, remain with just one captain, whether it's Viney uh, or going in a whole new direction and going with someone like Max Gorn? Uh, where, where, George, where do you stand on, on that issue? Um, I think the whole value of captains has diminished over the years. Um, I think either Viney or Gorn or, um, would be more than suitable as. as to, to fill the role, but I, I think the overall thing that we've got to look at is genuine leadership. Um, uh, Jordan Lewis was able to come in over the last couple of years and provide what, what we needed um, dramatically, um, and particularly he was almost like able to general the back the back line. Um, I think the what we we need to have those type of players um, around the whole ground who are who are prepared to. Um, show the younger ones what they're expected to do and whether and make sure that they're following the instructions that are coming from the coach. So whether it's Viney, whether it's Gorn, um, whether they go to multiples, whether they have a very, very strong leadership group, and I think we're fortunate now that we're talking about having Vineys and Gorns and even a Stephen May, whereas a couple of years ago, um, poor Nathan Jones was put into the into the role simply because we had no one else um, who was capable of doing anything remotely, remotely like a leadership role. So um, I'm glad that we're, we're in that better position today, but I don't really mind whether it's one or the other or multiples. Great, Barney. Yeah, I, I pretty much uh, agree with what George said there. Um, I'd like to see Max. I'd like to see Max in the in the role. I'm not too fussed whether Viney um, stays on or relinquishes it, I think it, it's going to be awkward, unless he just sort of gives it up himself, it would be awkward to take it off him, I think. And although he said he's happy to uh, give it up, um, he didn't. Uh, you know, he could have sort of thrown it open, I suppose. Um, so I, I think we'll see both of them. Yeah, it depends. Uh, from my understanding, I, I think... I don't even think it's a, a, a player's consensus type of thing. From my understanding, mm. it's the coach. It's just the coaches, yeah. The coach. And um, Viney did say in an interview, but what else is he going to say? Uh, they asked him the question, would you be happy uh, not to relinquish your captaincy, but would you support Max as a sole captain? And, of course, he's going to say yes. What's he going to say? No. Um, yeah. Look, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I, I 
love Max. So I'd love to see him as captain, but yeah, it'd be an awkward sort of thing to take it off him, to strip him of it. Um, but we said the same thing about uh, Nathan Jones, and Nathan Jones has uh, stepped down himself. So it's interesting. I've, I've sort of got mixed feelings about Jack Liney because I thought that uh, I thought he was quiet. He seemed didn't seem very sort of uh, extroverted in his leadership this year. Um, and I thought, yeah, maybe he's, uh, you know, he's too worried about, you know, injured and, and getting his own game right. But then you sort of think back to 2018 when he did come back from injury late in the season and the way he played uh, at the in the latter part of that year and he had leaders stamped all over him then. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I wouldn't wouldn't give up on him. But I also see the the, the captaincy about um, uh, being sort of a representative of the club, uh, not just on the field but off the field as well, talking to the media. Um, and I think Max Gorn is sort of a natural at that. And I don't think the, the weight of captaincy would affect uh, a player like Max's, you know, on the field as it might some other players. Um, I'd love to see him do it, but yeah, I get uh, it is a bit of an awkward thing uh, with how you deal with um, the, the current captain and sort of not alienating alienating him. But uh, I'm not sure that it would. But uh, yeah, it's uh, watch this space. I'm sure something will be announced, you know, in the next few months. Um. Uh, Anything else, boys, before we wrap things up? Anything else that's been happening on Demon Land that, uh, that you want to bring up uh, before we uh, shut things down? Shut down Demon Land for, for, the, <laughs> for the summer. Um, well, just a shout out to all our training reporters yeah. because the quality of the reporting is, uh, is as good as it's ever been. So it's, um, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll second that. We've got uh, quite a few guys that, that do go down to training uh, regularly, uh, providing reports, photos. It's great. We just love any information that, that we get. So if you're a listener to the program and you're not a Demon Land uh, regular, uh, get on. And if you do go down to training, we'd love a training report. Get up, sign up to demonland.com uh, and uh, create an account and let us know what's happening at training. Uh, if you, the majority of people that use the site just use it to read the site. So if you are a listener of the show, uh, you aren't on Demon Land, get on Demon Land Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. We, we've got some great uh, training report threads uh, where you get all the information. Um, and it's, it's just a fantastic resource for mo- the majority of us that are desk-bound and can't get down to training and, and just want any information, and uh, it's a fantastic resource. I, I don't mind plugging my own site uh, for, that, <laughs> for that, bit of, um, that bit of a service that we provide supporters. Uh, you guys well, we, got... we, we should be giving you a bit of a shout-out to you as well, Andy. I mean, the whole Demon Land site and everything that it does, you're arranging... Um, things like interviews with, with the recruiting manager. Um, I don't know of any other site that manages to do it and it's all the credit to you and the time and effort that you put into it. So um, it's not just the people who participate in the site, but you you and the people in the background as well that, that keep the site alive just do a fantastic job and heavens know what we do over summer in particular without, without this site. <laughs> 
Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, I, I do appreciate it. And uh, I only I do it because I, I love it. I love the club. I uh, wish it gave me a bit more a bit more pleasure than it does. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going anywhere and uh, the site's not going anywhere. And uh, hopefully next year we can get a couple uh, more players to interview. Um, love doing that. Love speaking to players and past players as well. So we're going to try and get a few more past players onto the show um, to bring you these interviews because it's, it's really good. I love hearing some of the old stories of uh, you know players that I grew up watching in the sort of late 80s, 90s and, and 2000s. So if I can get a couple more of those guys onto the show, I would love hearing the stories. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Um, boys... Uh, I, th- I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll shut it down here. Um, thank you, George, for coming on. Thank you, uh, Grape Viney. We'll be back. Um, we'll be back in the um, in the new year. Um, probably won't be back until the um, until the the what, what's it called the Marsh the Marsh the Marsh <laughs> series. Um, I don't know if we'll do a show prior to that, but we'll definitely definitely do, be doing a show. After the first game, we play Adelaide on February 22nd at 4.40 at Casey Fields. Um, haven't looked at my calendar this far in advance. It's a Saturday at 4.40 p.m. Uh, they're on t- These are good games are televised, I'm assuming. And is there going to be a, um, a gathering, uh, um, like an anniversary gathering for the AFLX Group B Premiership team from two years ago. Are they, those guys catching up? Do they do that every summer? Um, you would hope so. It's only a small group, I think. Who is? Who, uh, I think uh, Petrarca, uh, Spargo. Uh, who Marley else was Bridge. playing that bridge? Yeah. Um, not sure that. Are they doing anything like they're not? AFLX is is defunct now, isn't it? It's International X, I think now. They're well, going back to the uh, international rules series. That's likely to be done at the end of the year, not at the beginning yes. of the year. So, yep. um, yeah, we can uh, look forward to that, uh, and hopefully none of our players play in that <laughs> that game <laughs> and get injured. Mm. All right, so we'll. we'll um, We'll be back. Uh, yeah, we'll be back in February. It looks like at this stage. So uh, enjoy your summer. Thank you to all the callers, contributors, um, to self, George, uh, Grape Viney, to Super Mercado. Uh, thank you very much, and to all the listeners. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you back in February. Uh, go days. <laughs> <laughs>